Welcome back for week two, Parag Pet. Thank you so much for everybody for all their amazing feedback last week. Really appreciate it. Thank you for all your recommendations. Baruch Hashem, our group is growing. Special shout out to the many people on sheer enjoyment that are listening. I encourage you to uh, sign up for the WhatsApp group. Link above on the webpage. Okay, Perek Bet. Here we go. I, I think to properly understand Perek Bet, we first have to ask a couple of questions. Why is it that Yericho is the first city that the Jewish people attack? And to understand that, I found this amazing map on uh, online. And I, I think what's key about understanding Tanakh is that when you see the map of Israel, and not only the map, but the topography, the, the lay of the land, it is incredibly helpful to appreciate certain things in Tanakh. Why Yericho? So if you take a look, the Jewish people are right dead center in the map, right above the Dead Sea. And it says, you are here. That's where the Jewish people are. They're going to cross over the Yarding, the Jordan River. If you look at the Jordan River, it is not a straight line like our teachers maybe drew when we were in, uh, in elementary school, but it, it kind of goes down a little bit like that. They're going to have to cross over. They're crossing over at the very bottom tip of the uh, Jordan River, and Yericho is right there. Now, they're going to encamp next time in the city of Gilgal. We're going to learn more about the next time. But Gilgal is not really a city. It's an open space. They are going to attack Yericho, which is right there. It is directly across from where they are. So obviously, attacking Yericho first makes sense. They're going to attack Yericho. Yericho is an oasis in the middle of nowhere. There's not much else going on there. So Yericho also makes sense as a place for them to attack. The other thing point, which archaeology has taught us, is that Yericho is a very, very old city. In fact, there are opinions that Yericho might be the oldest city upon the uh, upon Earth. And that's a really big deal. They're going after that city because Yericho has something to, uh, to, to add. If they can destroy the oldest city that was known to mankind until that point in time, that would really inflict a damaging psychological blow to the local people. And so that's what's going to happen. We are going to see the Jewish people leave Shittim, where they are. They're on the encampment right there, down at the bottom, the mountains behind them, and they're going to cross over, attack Yericho, and they're going to go from there. Okay, so that is why Yericho seems to make a lot of sense. Let us continue with understanding a little bit more about Yericho. So now we can take a look at this map and understand. They're in Shittim. They're going to cross over Gilgal, Yericho, and then I and Yerushalayim. Hargrizim and Har Eval are up north. Um, real sign, world's oldest city right there. And this picture over here, I think, is also a critical picture to understand as we take a look at our Perek. This is... A, uh, a drawing that was made of what Yericho was supposed to look like. Yericho has over here a choma. It has a wall, and then it has another wall. That would then be the entrance into the city. There's a city gate. It's a double gate, because in between the two walls, there is a whole additional city that's there. That's a pretty big piece to understand, and keep that picture in mind as we learn Perek Ben. Okay, with that Hakdama in mind, let's take a look at Pasuk Aleph. 
Keresh Lemur. Yehoshua bin Nun sends from Shittim two uh, men, spies, Keresh Lemur. Keresh, what does that mean? Viraz says, uh, says Rashi, quoting the Targum. Viraz, it's secretive. Who's it secretive from? I don't know. We have to figure that out. He gives them an important mission. I want you to go check out the land, see it, and Yericho. And what happens? They go and they come to the house of a woman who is a Zona, and her name is Rachav. And they sleep there. Okay. Try to understand a couple of things. Yehoshua ben Nun. Why does it need ben Nun? Why tell us ben Nun? We don't get him as Yehoshua ben Nun in Parak Aleph every time. Perhaps the reason why he's Yehoshua ben Nun is it's supposed to remind us, wait a second, Yehoshua ben Nun. I know that name. Yehoshua ben Nun was one of the Anashim that was sent as a spy. He is sending spies. That's like crazy. Why would he send spies? So the Radak says, He knew that they'd be successful. He would widen, he would expand the hearts of the Jewish people with their good news. Okay? Amazing. That's a great answer. The Ralbag, though, is bothered by the whole idea of sending spies. He says, it doesn't make any sense. When were these spies sent? He goes, at the end of Perak Aleph, we know that Yeshua sent a message saying to everyone, three days we're leaving. So he wants, Rabag wants to know, when was this message sent? If it was after Yeshua commanded them and said, in three days we're leaving, what happens if the spies come back and say, terrible, this is an unconquerable, unconquerable land. We're not going. Then what? What's he going to say? Everybody's packed up, we're leaving. He's going, well, Hold on, wait, we're not going. That's one. And if it's before, but didn't Hashem say, Lo yit yet save, nobody's going to stay in front of you? So what would be the, the reason to send the spies? It's a good question. Why is he spending, sending spies? So in general, I, I really was bothered by the whole idea. Sending spies, really? What was Yoshua thinking? What was his goal in sending the spies? So... Years ago, I read a beautiful article by Rabbi Liebtag. Amazing. Rabbi Moshe Lichtenstein has Torah on this. The Mepharshim themselves talk about it. Rabbi Hatton, Ravigal Ariel. There's so much. And Rabbi Alex Israel. I read so much. I learned so much this week that it's sort of what we're going to share in the next uh, bit is a mix and mesh of everything together. But the first thing is, let's try to understand what was the difference between them? And what were the similarities? So let's start with Bamidbar. In Bamidbar, there were 12 spies. We're told who the spies are, and the Torah tells us they're the best amongst the Jewish people. These were not just regular people, but these were 12 tzaddikim. There's even an opinion that says that the order of the spies, since it doesn't, there's no logical order of starting with uh, Ruvain and going all the way down to the to Benyamin, they're all mixed up. It's based on the level of Tzidkos. Okay? Twelve amazing people. And what is their mission? Go take a look at the land. Is it good? Is it bad? Check out. Get us lots and lots of details. It seems like they're publicly sent off. The entire Jewish people watch them leave. 
and say, we'll see you in a little bit. And they come back and their whole story, everything they're sharing is shared with everyone. It's not that Moshe brings them into a room to debrief. It's a very, very, very public mission. Which makes us wonder, are they even really spies? Is it fair to call the Miraglim spies when 12 people go out pretty publicly? One would have to imagine that the locals knew that they were coming. And 12 Jewish people, did they change their clothing? Or were they 12 Jewish-looking men going through a land, the land of Canaan? Interestingly, we never have the word miraglim in Bamidbar to describe them. The verb is not liragel, it's latur, vayaturubaretz, over and over and over again. But Reliem Tag points out, what does latur mean? It sounds just like the English word. Latur is to tour. It's to visit, to see. When you tour a country, when you tour a place, look at it and say, I don't know. Should I recommend it to my friends? Should I not recommend it? That's Latour. What about Yoshua? In Sefer Yoshua, we have two people. They're not named. We have no idea who they are. And they're sent Becheresh. We didn't answer what exactly Becheresh means. But is it, it's a secret. Who is this secret from? Is it a secret from the Jews? Or is it a secret from the Anshe Yericho? Good question. They are told to just go and look. Go and look at the land. Not, not is it good or is it bad. We've, we, we've been there already. Just go and look at the land. And they don't interact directly with the people at all. They come back at the very end and they report only to Yoshua. And the word that we have to describe them are, they are liragel, they're miraglim. So what do they have in common? They're all visiting the land, they're going to Eretz They are called anashim. And the last piece I think is, is key. They express a mood of fear. I want you to hold that idea on the back burner because I think that is critical to understanding the story. Are they really spies? And by the way, let's just say that they are spies. Does Yoshua even need spies? So if you got Ariel points out at this point in time, Yoshua doesn't know that the spot that they're going to conquer Yericho miraculously. He doesn't know. So not knowing how Yericho is going to be conquered, he might think, listen, we're actually going to need that. So he's going to do recon. But do the people know? that they're coming or not. What was Yoshua's goal? Okay. So let's take a look at Pasuka. The king of Yericho finds out that people have come. Jews have come into the city. Malbim points out Lachbor is more than the Ragel, more than the spy, but it's to Lachbor, is to dig. They were digging out the secrets of the land. Now, let's just for a second say that they are spies. That's, that's the goal. They are sent as spies. They are really bad spies if they're caught right away. Right when they walk into the city, they're caught. Makes them pretty, they're doing a pretty lousy job if they're not in for just a moment and they are caught. Okay. Now, we said that Rachav is an Isha Zona. What does an Isha Zona mean? 
Radak points out, Kimashma'a. It is, uh, it's actually what it sounds like. They are, they're, she's a prostitute. But Radak also quotes another explanation, Omocheret Mazon. Zona, similar enough to the word Mazon. She is a purveyor, a provider of food. Okay, which one is it? Let's watch the psukim and let's try to understand it as we go on. But now that the Melech Yericho knows that there are spies in the land, and now that the Melech Yericho knows that they are going to, uh, that there are Jews there, he's going to have to try to figure this out. Now the question is, what's going to happen? Rachav is stuck in a very difficult place. On the one hand, she's a member of the city of Yericho. And the king is coming. You mess with the king. On the other hand, these spies came into her house. What does she do? King of Yericho comes to them and says, I know that there are spies in your house. Bring them out to us. This story, by the way, should ring bells and sound a little bit like the story of Sidon. Also, there's an attack. There, there are these people that come in in the protection of Lo, here in the protection of Rahav. And what happens? Someone says, Hutsi'im, Hutsi'i, bring them out. So, what's going on here? What are we supposed to do? So, the Maubim says, Ratzalomar Hagam note. Even if you're going to tell me, listen, they came, why? They were customers. I didn't know they were spies. Two men, they came. They were looking for her services as a prostitute. Understand that the reason that they came was to get the secrets of Yericho. They were not coming for you, but Rachav, you were being used as a tool to get the information that they needed. Interesting that the Malbim says that. Abar Benel is bothered by the fact that in Pasa Gimel, it says that they're told to send the people. She's, she's having this conversation. She's hearing from the Melech Yericho. But it says that the woman takes it. She takes the two men and she hides them. Abar Benel says, what's going on? How, how in the world can she hide them if she's talking to someone at the door? So I don't know if anybody's ever had this experience. But sometimes there's someone at the door. And you're not in a position to answer the door. So you send your children to get the, to the door. Or you were sent as a child to get to the door. And you're like, what? mom, dad, if you can't do it, why can't, why? I don't have to get up. And then, you, you know, the person screams out, who's at the door? Now you're having this conversation from a floor up or something like that. It's a very bizarre thing to do where it makes more sense to have the conversation at the door. But perhaps Rachel's in the house. She hears knocking on the door. It's banging. It's at night. She's not going down. She says, who's there? And what happens? This, the, the, the messengers of the king say, we know that you have these men in the house. So she, she hides them. And she says then after she's hidden them, is in singular. But there's two spies. It should have been name. Why is it a titzpano? Good question. We'll come back to it. So she says, the Tomer came by Eli and Ashiv, Yadati me ayin him. Abayar Benel says, now she's talking to the door because they're hidden. And she says, I don't know, these people came and I, I don't know where they were from. Bayesh Arles Gorbachoshef, 
Panashim Yatsaulo Yadati An Alhu Panashim. And um, people came and they left. I don't know where they went. Read Fumahera Harayem Ki Tasikum. Hurry up and you'll catch up to them. A Barbanel says there is there is a there is rebuke she's giving to them. You guys are on high alert. You're expecting you see the Jews across the way in sheep there. And yet you allowed the gate to be opened that these men could be could could sneak in. Shame on you. And then you let them sneak out. Shame on you again. Hurry up, go quickly. And then they leave. What's going on here? Why is she only hiding one of them? So Rashi says, She stuffed them in one place. It was so tight, so small. Really, it was only the Titspino. It only was enough space for one person. And yet, they are pushed into there. He also quotes the Medrash that says that there's the possibility that it were, that the that the spies are Pinchas and Kalev, and as Pinchas and Kalev, um, Pinchas had the ability to make himself disappear. I don't know how that works, but Pinchas was able to make himself disappear. She only had to hide Kalev. Abayavanel says no. Pshat is she stuffs this one in this closet, this one in that closet, goes to the door, speaks maybe with the door open ajar. And then once the spies leave, she takes them up to the roof. I'm sorry, once the uh, guards leave, she takes them to the roof, hides them better, maybe waits a little bit, and then continues with what's going on. The Yalatamagaga, she brings them up to the roof. And she hides them, the Pishtea Eights, in the flax that are drying on the roof. Now, also, why does she have flax drying on the roof? If you take a look at the picture on the on the screen, you'll see they're buried in flax. Flax you, you are actually cut, says Google, in the Middle East. Um, this time, that time of year, Nissan time, late March, early April, and then you put their 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 damp because they they have the water that was coming in through them while they were connected to the ground. You put them on the roof. You pile them up in in really 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 large quantities with space in between, which is great if you want to hide people there, and you dry them off. That's what's going on here. Now the question that we have to ask ourselves is, Malchiricho, he sends a spot. He sends his guards. Why does Rachel choose? Why, why would he think that Rachel would go with the guards over the men? And why, in fact, does Rachel choose to help them versus helping the king of Yericho? Now, the king of Yericho might think to himself, she's one of us. She's one of our, one, she, she's a citizen of our, of our city. She's lived here all her life. How could she not side with us? Why does Rachel choose not? to go with them? It's a great question. I was learning with my wife, Malki, earlier this week, and we were discussing back and forth, why would Rachav do this? And then really more globally, what is Rachav? Is Rachav a, um, a zona, a prostitute? Is Rachav one who provides food for people? Why does Rachav have flax on her house? Where does Rachav even live? We saw a beautiful chat by the Vilna Go and the Gra. The Gra says that actually she has two houses. 
a house in the outer wall, the inner wall. Remember that the city of Yericho has two walls. So the outer wall was where her business was, and the inner wall was where her house was. But we, Malki suggested that perhaps Rachel's house really was all about her business. Everything was about making it work. So what does she have in her house? The house itself could be an inn, could be serving food, could also be a place of prostitution. It could also be that her roof was a great place for people to, she rented that out also. So people could put their flax there to dry. Rachav was a really, really um, clever businesswoman. And she had a plan. Her plan was to sustain herself and her family in whatever way she could. And so this is what Rachav is all about. I'm going to try to develop that a little bit more and perhaps suggest something a little bit different. Okay, let us continue with Pasuk Zion. I'm sorry, Pasuk, yeah, Pasuk Zion. The, the men, what do they do? The soldiers, they go running after them. There are bridges that cross over the Yardin. They run to the Mabrot. Bashar Sagaru, and then the, the gate of the city slammed shut. Just a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to visit the city of Gezer. We'll get to it in a little bit. Gezer is an ancient city not far from Shalavim. And I also had a chance to go to Megiddo up north. Both of them have walled cities that you can still see remnants of them in the Tel, in Tel Gezer and in Tel Megiddo. And what's amazing is you see that you see the gates to the city. Now, in my mind, my fourth grade mind, when I learned this for the first time, I pictured it, massive gate where you could have chariots and chariots and chariots, whole armies go through. What's fascinating is when you look at the two gates, they're actually very narrow. You probably can't get more than one or two chariots through them. It's not a very wide place to go through. The gate is shut on them. And they go chasing after them. And now, it's hours later, perhaps, she goes up to the roof to see them. So what does she, what does she say? She says, I know. I know that God has given you the land. And that everybody here is terrified. Everybody is nervous. Everybody's worried what's going to happen. We heard how God dried up the Yamsuf with Seitchem and Yitzrayim. For 40 years, the Jews are wandering around the desert, and the people in Canaan are thinking, wow, we heard about Kudus Yamsuf. We heard what God did. It is absolutely terrifying. We heard this. And then more recently, Bashar Sitem. And we found out what you did to Sichon and Og and how you completely routed them. Sichon was the protector of the uh, 31 kings that were in Canaan. They paid him tribute to make sure that nobody could get through. Sichon was as mighty as it gets, and the Jews destroyed him. We heard that. Our hearts have melted. We have no strength left. Interestingly, Rashi says, 
ולא קמה עוד רוח אפילו לשכב עם אשתה. Even to sleep with the woman, אמרו. And he then goes on to say, אין לך על כל שר ונגיד שלא בעל רחב הזונה. It was not a single, based on the Gemara and Zvachim quote on top of our page right now, אין לך על כל שר ונגיד שלא בעל רחב הזונה. Every single important officer had slept with Rachav. From the time that she became a prostitute at the age of 10 years, 40 years. And what happened now? Her business dried up. Now, if we take a look at Rachav from that perspective, Rachav ends up looking pretty opportunistic. What happens? She says, Men have no strength anymore to sleep with women. What does that mean for me? means that my parnasa is gone. Now, if you couple that with the fact that she's in Yericho and she knows that the Jews have set sight and Yericho is their first conquest, not only because they're right across from the Yarding, but the fact that the spies come into the, the, the city should confirm that. So then what is Rachav? Rachav is simply using the character trait that the, that the Psukim give us of a zona to say, what does a zona do? She is not faithful. Well, her business has dried up. There's no opportunities for her. And now all of a sudden she sees these two men, they drop into her home and she says, whoa, I just found my next opportunity. These men are my ticket out. They're my ticket to safety. Is that really what's going on here? Is that what we're, in, is that what we're supposed to understand the story? That's who Rachav is. She's just a person that's disloyal. She was disloyal to the city. She was disloyal to people. And now she's disloyal to them once again. Is that who she is? Rabbi Hatton points out something beautiful. He says, Rachav is a person who's living at the fringe of the city. Where did the wealthy people live? They lived in the middle. And then the poor, poor, poor people lived at the edge. Rachav lived at the edge both physically, that's where her house was, but even mentally. Prostitutes are not the people that are living in the center of society. They're at the fringe of society. And she says, Rebbe Hatton says, she feels that the town has turned their back on her for the last 40 years. She could turn her back on them. Is it simply that the spies recognized this was the place to go? Because Rachav is ripe for the picking. She is a person that feels displaced by the city that she's from. And therefore, she would be likely to be willing to turn on them. Maybe. So she says that nobody has, nobody has any spirit yet. Your God is the God of heaven and the God of earth below. He is truly the one. Truly the one. That says Rachav is what's going on. Now, is this in the context of, of a greater speech? Or when she comes up, does she just burst out and say, I know, I know the game for Yericho is over. And maybe this is her sales pitch. She gets two minutes to try to pitch herself as an opportunity to save herself. 
Pasuk Yabet, She says, swear by God, because I did good by you. I could have totally sold you out, and I didn't. I want you to do good by my family. Save me, my father, my mother, my brothers, my sister, and everything they have. Don't kill us. That's a request. They say, we, what are we supposed to do? You don't have a choice. We are right now at your mercy. They say to listen, we know that we're in a bad spot. You could turn us over, so we will do it. We're going to do chesed by you, by you. We won't do any, we won't harm you. She's in the wall. And she says, ah, this is amazing. What am I going to do? She lets out a rope down the window and says, okay, you can go. Go up to the mountains. Do not want the guards. Imagine you, you, you were saved. I saved you. I hid you. I let you out. And then you're walking on the road and you get caught by the guards. Go out. Wait for three days. Again, three days. Three days is a time of reflection. The guards have three days to reflect where they can go, where they went. After three days, they're going to give up. And then go on your way. So now, the spies are already out the window. Now they're in a good place. Why? Because they know that they're safe. What's she going to do? By the time she calls the guards, they'll already have hidden in the mountains. So she, she, they say to them, we're free from our shavua. You, we, everything that you said to us, we're no longer bound by. Why? Could be that the reason is, until now, this shavua that they made was under duress. When they were in the house and told us, what were they going to do? If they didn't agree to her conditions, she'd turn them over. So now they say, They say, now we're going to call the shots. They say, this red string, you're to tie on the window. And you'll tie it by the window. This very same window that we're going out now. Your father, your mother, your brothers, every everything of your of your father's household will be in there. Anybody that's not in your house, Nikiim, it's not our responsibility. Anybody in the house, though, will spare. If anything happens to them, that is on us. What is this chut hashani it looks like they're pointing to it. Now, did they bring a chut hashani? She sent them down in a chevel. They're pointing to this chut hashani. Did they bring a red string and they're like, here, throw it back up. Take that. What's going on here? And they're pointing to it. Hazeh. Rabbi Hatton points out that the word tikvat chut hashani comes from the word tikvah hope. 
they're turning to Rachav and saying, there's hope for you, Rachav. There's the possibility that things can save you. How? Rav Yigal Ariel says it's Hazeh because it's Oto Achavel. She refers to Dera Achavel. They call it a Chut Hashani. What is this red string? This red string. Where else do we have in Tanakh something red that surrounds an entranceway that provides salvation for someone? It might sound a little bit like Sias Mitzrayim. On that night, they covered their doorposts in blood that red blood. Perhaps this is reminiscent of the same story. There's protection. And this protection, albeit it's coming from the Miraglim, from Kalev and Pinchas, from these two men, really, it's coming from God. God says, I will save you. God says it's going to be okay. She got what she wanted. But you have to take a look at the end of this Gemara in Zvachim. The Gemara says, Amra She says, you know what? For 40 years, what happened? I was a prostitute. Many, many, many men. According to this, call Sarvinagi. Anybody important in Canaan had visited her home. She was a legend. So now, your officer big-time guy, you go missing. And the wife is like, where could she possibly, where can my husband possibly be? And then he says, oh, I know where. She must be at Rachab's house. So the, the wife goes knocking on Rachab's door and saying, I, will, I know my husband is in there. Bring him out. How did they come and go? Sometimes they have to hide on the roof. She says, God, for 40 years, the chevel, the rope, the chalon, the window, the pishtim, the flax on my roof, they serve to do what? They serve to further my profession and help me be successful. She says, God, look what I did. I used the pishtim to save these men from the king of Yericho. I used the chalon to lower them on the chevel. Yehei machuoli. Tikvat chutashani. There's hope, she says. There's hope that I could be okay. That is Rachel. Well, I'm not going to fully explain this, but there is a Gemara in Megillah that says, There were four beautiful women in the world. Why these four? And there are other people in Tanakh who were told they're beautiful women. But those are the four that, that, that the Gemara picks out. Tosos asks the question, what do you mean? Wasn't Chava beautiful? In fact, the Gemara, the, in, in, in Baba Pastor, it tells us that if you took Sarah and put her side by side with Chava, Chava was so much more beautiful, Sarah would look like a monkey. Supposes the answer is, We're only talking about ones that were born from people. Chava was created by God directly. And so, without having a, a, a biological mother, it's not, not the same thing. 
But perhaps in Sarab, Yigayel, Rachel, and Esther, we see people whose beauty was something that put them in a tight spot. And nonetheless, they have to do something that's incredibly challenging to them. Think about Esther. Esther's beautiful. She's chosen to be the queen. She loses her independence. She loses everything about her. Rachav is in the same spot. But Rachav has a chance. She has a chance. Like Esther saves the Jewish people. Sarah saves Avraham. Rachav saves herself. Rachav saves her family. Perhaps there's something a little bit to that. Let's take a look at how the parakel. So they're, they're told, you can't tell this anyone. If you tell other people, and everybody has this um, hanging off their window, deals are off. Yeah, fine, deal. She sends them. She makes sure from that moment on that the that string is there. They do exactly what they're told. They go hang out in the mountains for three days. Perfect view. They can see. And they finally see after three days, the coast is clear. They come back to Yoshua. They tell him everything that happened. Listen to the words that they say and think in your head. Where do I know these words? Where have I heard these words before? They say to Yoshua, Hashem has put the land in our hands and the people's hearts have melted. They quote Rachel. The most important line in their mission is they find out how the people feel and the people have melted. I want you to take a look at something brilliant. We said at the beginning that the common theme between Bamidba and Dvarim was Anashim, Eretz Yisrael, and the mood. What's the mood that they come out with? The hot people's hearts have melted. Now, in Bamidbar, we also have similar idea. What are we told? We're told, We saw the giants. And what happened? We were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. That's how they feel. There was fear there also. Both stories have fear. We have fear of the Jewish people. The Jews are terrified after they send the Miraglim. The people are terrified after the Miraglim comes to the city. I want to share with you a beautiful thought by Rabbi Alex Israel which perhaps is the answer to what is Yoshua's goal. Why does he send spies? Are they that bad that they're caught right away? What is their purpose? Yericho is a city that's walled, double walled. It's locked. It's hard to get in. And they brazenly walk in. And they go into Rachel's house. And they're discovered right away. Says about Alex Israel, perhaps the goal is to let them know that they're there. Could you imagine how psychologically damaging that is to the people? 
they're saying to themselves, oh my gosh, what's going to be, what's going to be, what's going to be? The Jews are in Shittim. They're right across the river. We can see them. Now the Rakim march right into their city. And nobody can find them. And they're able to get out without being caught. It is so psychologically damaging to the people. They are making a statement that your city, even on its highest alert, stands no match to two men. Now imagine when the whole Jewish army comes. That perhaps is the mission of the, of the Miraglim. And they instill fear in the hearts of the, Mirag, of the city of Yericho, and they come back to Yoshua and say, mission accomplished. Now we understand how, how, what, the, what, what we do with the Ralbag's question at the beginning, where they sent out three days before, three days after. The answer is, it doesn't matter because the mission has not their cherish from the Jewish people. They're not cherish from Yericho. People in Yericho know that they're there. They see that they're there and it's all good. Why? Because they're going to scare them and they're going to make it even more an opportunity when the Jews cross over in the coming prakin. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for learning. I appreciate any thoughts you have. Feel free to WhatsApp or email me. And again, share enjoyment, people. Please, please um, join our WhatsApp group. Have a great week.